Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 139 of the jimmystable.com podcast, and I thought, hey, you know, as of the time of this recording, Valentine's Day, just around the corner, comes around every February 14th. And so today's episode is simply titled, Killing Cupid? Question mark. It's my Valentine's Day special episode, something that I do every year since I've been doing my podcast. So uh, I want to explore a little bit more of this topic of Valentine's Day. But before I do, I want to set the mood by simply playing everybody's favorite, well, at least I think it's still everybody's favorite uh, wedding music dance song. Uh, I'm, I'm sure most of the DJs out there hate it, but if you've been to a wedding recently, I don't know if they still play this song. It's, it's been a few years since I've been to a wedding, so maybe this isn't as hot as it once was, but it was once hot a pun of time. Uh, so let me go ahead and play this, this fun little ditty uh, that you've probably heard a time or two at a wedding if you've been to one uh, in re- the last decade. And I'm going to go ahead and, and just play a little minute, so bear with me a minute. This may not be mu- music for everybody, but... Uh, well, you've probably heard it a time or two, so it'll it'll provide some fun commentary for today. Do you know this song? <laughs> New Cupid. I don't know how well that song tracked for maybe some of you of my listeners who aren't Americans, maybe some of you who live in Canada or England or Australia or something. I have no idea what you guys listen to over in those parts of the world, but hey, that's at least been a very hot song for uh, the American dance floor at so many weddings throughout the country. So uh, the Cupid Shuffle, a popular pop culture song making its way at weddings, it's something uh, that, you know, interesting to, to talk about, to sit there and think, wow, you know, here we are thousands of years removed from uh, anybody that ever worshipped the uh, Greek mythological god Cupid, yet his influence is still felt today. And I thought, you know, based off this, uh, and as being in Valentine's Day, uh, sort of frame of reference, that I would do a podcast dedicated to this. 
And you might find that kind of surprising, especially of those of you who've been listening to the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast since episode 118 or before. Um, considering the events of the past year of my life, you know, you might kind of think, oh man, what, what's he what's he doing talking about Valentine's Day? Aren't aren't you the guy, you know, going through a divorce? And you know, didn't your didn't your wife leave you this past year? You know, uh, are you sure this is something? Uh, that you want to do, considering the events of your past year. Uh, and, you know, I thought about that because somebody originally approached me about this podcast, Clark Bunch, um, who is a pastor friend of mine in Georgia and a fellow blogger. A link to his uh, podcast in, in the show notes at jimmystable.com for episode 139. Um, you know, and I thought about that. I, I've done podcast episodes the past couple years on Valentine's Day. Um, and I did it in the context of being a married man. Um, and I sat there and thought originally, ah, you know, maybe, uh, I should lay this one out. Um, and then part of me was like, you know, it could also be very easy to kind of do a cynical podcast if I did one about, uh, this empty Hallmark holiday that exists so corporations can sell us cards, candies, and flowers. (laughs) I could talk about Big Vala and how it's out to rip off consumers all in the name of love. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, you know, and as I've talked about in this this past year, you know, my, my wife did leave me. And, uh, you know, heading into Valentine's Day, having to approach it as a single person again. And, you know, the old adage about Singles Awareness Day and, and all that sort of stuff and those sort of thorny, touchy issues. But, you know, as I sat there and chewed on the idea of at Clark's uh, suggestion that I do a Valentine's podcast, he said, you know, In light of my recently single status, he said, hey, you know, maybe after being married for eight years, you might have an interesting perspective uh, about uh, the entire issue of Valentine's Day. And like I said, kind of reluctant to do it, but the more I chewed on the idea, I found it to be a good one. So I'm kind of excited about this podcast, and you might think I would not be, but you know, I started digging a little bit and thinking about it a little bit, and I was like, no, 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 no. I got something I want to say. And so I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode in which I'm going to talk about Valentine's Day and to explore the ancient mythological symbols that endure down to this day, that of Cupid and his pointy little arrows. And I want to take Cupid's imagery and compare it and contrast this to the deeper understanding of love as I see exemplified through the cross of Jesus Christ as I attempt to wrestle with our cultural expression of love in our lives. Romantic love, of course, is a tale as old as time, and it endures into the present day, as we heard talked about in this this Cupid Shuffle, you know, a song inspired by the ancient pagan deity Cupid, you know, who even though we're in the 21st century and far removed from ancient pagan deities named Cupid, you know, it's a myth that still endures to this time. And, you know, the idea of romantic love endures even throughout this time, Adam and Eve, Jacob and Rachel, King Solomon and that extra special wife that he loved in his Song of Solomon, Cleopatra and Mark Anthony, Romeo and Juliet, Johnny Cash and June Carter, JFK, Marilyn Monroe, Bonnie and Clyde, Amal and George Clooney, (laughs) Uh, Kevin Arnold and Winnie Cooper, Zach Morris and Kelly Kapowski, Jim Halpert and Pam Beasley. You know, lots of combinations of ancient biblical love, mythological love, modern storytelling love, 
uh, in modern culture and entertainment as well as some, uh, you know, scandalizing sort of loves and ancient historical loves all mixed into that fray. Romantic love, you know, there's just something enduring about it. Uh, we have all these amazing symbols, all these amazing stories, stories that uh, really, you know, have stood the test of time. And with Valentine's Day, you know, being in the air this week, um, you know, the idea of love is just something we can't seem to escape. First of all, it's on the calendar. <laughs> it's officially a day. Second, Hallmark is not going to let you forget it. And third, romantic love, it's just, you know, whether you're presently struck by Cupid's arrows, it's just something that floats around in our society. Um, when we talk about Cupid, I like to think of Cupid as this kind of archetype of love. There's just something magical and mystical about love. And we can try to explain love in very scientific terms. But nobody asks a scientist at the end of the day to write Hallmark cards for Valentine's Day, do they? <laughs> nobody writes poems about the chemical compounds of adrenaline, dopamine, and serotonin that swirl around as this sort of toxic elixir throughout our bodies and brains that, that produces this feeling that we associate with romantic love. Rather, love is best understood through images and metaphors and melodies. And though it can be, you know, written about in scientific uh, rigorous descriptions, that just doesn't swoon us, does it? <laughs> love is something we experience and express better than is something that we neatly define. And I think that's where Cupid comes in. You're familiar with Cupid, aren't you? That, that chubby little winged demon that floats around haphazardly shooting people with his pointy little arrows. Cupid has a dad bod and had a dad bod before dad bods were cool. Make of that what you will. <laughs> as a guy with uh, his own fellow dad bod, as you can probably see in uh, some of my pictures online. Uh, although I've been slimming down a little, so watch out. Uh, but it's interesting to note that while Cupid was revered as an ancient god, and I was digging around finding about this stuff, and you can read about it on Wikipedia and some links I have at the show notes, jimmystable.com. Um, you know, it's interesting. Even though Cupid was revered as this ancient god and this ancient deity, and was found in all sorts of decorative figurines uh, throughout ancient temple, uh, temples in, in the Greek and Roman world, there wasn't a cult built around him. And nobody erected a, a special temple dedicated to his image. There is no quote-unquote cult of Cupid worshippers going around. Yet, Cupid is an ancient deity that everybody, you know, whether expressly written or not, seems to worship at the altar around, uh, all around the world. Both in the past, present, and I would guess to say, probably in the future. Of course, as a Christian living in the 21st century, I don't believe Cupid is a real god. It's just an image. But the symbol of Cupid, I still find, is a powerful image that rings true deep within the human psyche. There's just something about the image of Cupid that resonates with something primal in all of us. It's something of a psychological and mythological archetype that, though being a myth, though being a myth, appears to be what Joseph Campbell would call a true myth, just the same. That is, it's a story, and we know it's a pagan story, but even pagans, as you know, crazy as they might have been about some things, they, 
they seem to tap into something that still speaks to our human condition and something that we can identify with, even if we know in our heart of hearts there is no such thing as Jupiter or Venus or Mars or, you know, all these, the, the, the Greek and Roman pantheon of, of gods, even though we know they're all fake, there's still something in those ancient stories, those ancient religions that still just, you know, has a ring of truth to it. According to one tradition about Cupid, Cupid is the god of romantic desire. Cupid is the spawn of Venus and Mars, whose mother and father were the love goddess and god of war and love in ancient Greek mythology. And I think anyone who has ever been in love before kind of says, that'll preach. <laughs> we understand how Venus and Mars can coexist. We both understand well how love and war can find embodiment in one person. Live long enough, and you'll probably go through some fierce battles with the person you love the most. Funny how that works. The irony of this has never been lost on us, and I think that's partially why TV shows like Everyone Loves Raymond and a number of other romantic comedy-type TV family-oriented shows were, were always such big hits and resonated with our culture for so long because in shows like that, you've seen the topic explored about dysfunctional love and it's something we kind of identify with. I think whether we want to admit it or not, we realize there's always kind of maybe a little bit of uh, unhealthy dysfunction in our romantic love life. And we see love and war blend together in our marriages and in our families. And this is an issue that we're all too familiar with at, at some level. I believe we can all identify with being struck by Cupid's arrow. At some point in our life, you've been unexplicably smitten. Infatuation, romance, soulmates, mixtapes full of songs by the righteous brothers, all the things. It is said that Cupid is a winged deity, his wings, he flies around. And allegedly this is the case because lovers can be flighty and likely to change their minds and turn on a dime. And because at the end of the day, Cupid and his his dad bod sort of body kind of has this boyish sort of look and, you know, something about boys that can be a little irrational. <laughs> his symbols are the arrow and the torch because love wounds and inflames the heart, as one quote says. And in some images of Cupid throughout ancient world and art, Cupid is depicted as being blindfolded. Which probably explains why we have all probably been in relationships that, well, just don't seem to make any sense to outside observers. Am I right? <laughs> if, you, if that's never been you, you definitely know somebody who has. That You're just going like, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. I don't get why him and her work. And, but as the old saying goes, the heart wants what the heart wants. And sometimes it wants really stupid things because, well, there's a lot of stupid inside of us. We often have a lot of baggage and unresolved issues laying deep within our hearts and psyches that cause us, you know, to seek out the mates that we do. And those aren't always the wisest of decisions. 
Jesus said, out of the abundance of a heart, a man speaks. Or as one pastor I used to know said, if there is a cuss in there, a cuss is going to come out. (laughs) And I think that, you know, we can probably apply that to our relationships. And I think people often get involved in toxic relationships and they know these relationships deep down are, are bad for them, but there's no arguing with them about it because there's simply something unresolved and issues in our hearts that people haven't first dealt with deep within. And because of our broken human condition, they get into this serial bad relationship after bad relationship, bad boy after bad boy, loser after loser. And you know people like that. You know people who just, no matter what they're in, no matter what romantic relationship they're in, it's always just this dysfunctional mess. You know these people. Heck, some of us, myself included at one time, have been these people. (laughs) You know, we know what it's like to either see people who've been in serial bad relationships or been in just a relationship that everybody scratches their head about and doesn't understand. I definitely know when I was in college, I got engaged to somebody that I didn't end up marrying, but ended up breaking off. And a lot of people looked at us and just said, that doesn't make sense. And truth be told, even though there was a lot of good things in that relationship that I enjoyed, at the end of the day, I knew in my heart of hearts, hey, this doesn't make sense, but here I am, right? So we all understand that. And I think the mythological symbol of Cupid can kind of help us explain this sort of stuff, the seemingly haphazard way in which we fall in love with people that we shouldn't probably fall in love with. Um, Or maybe why you can go on a dating app website and you'll like a hundred people, only uh, people that maybe you think should be good for you, only to have a couple handful that maybe like you back and those people aren't necessarily the ones necessarily we're all that excited about. (laughs) But you go on the date anyway, or you get in the relationship anyway, right? And maybe that explains why, you know, we see such a huge thing with ghosting in our culture. It explains why we go out with the person once or twice. And then we say, maybe there's something here, but then suddenly we just ghost that individual or have that individual ghost you. They just seem just to fly away. If you've ever been on a dating website, I know I have uh, a time or two, to say the least. It's definitely hurt. Definitely happens. And a lot of people can identify with it. And it's something that I think as time has gone by, as uh, dating websites have become more prolific in our culture, uh, it's something that happens more and more and more. Maybe Cupid can explain why so many people, quote unquote, fall out of love in their marriage and just seemingly randomly leave their spouse one day out of the blue for someone else that just doesn't make a lot of sense. But don't get me wrong. Cupid can be a good thing. So I don't want, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to be cynical here. Cupid can be a good thing. But sometimes I feel like we need a giant bug zapper near us, and we just need to kill Cupid before Cupid kills you. Because <laughs> people do some dumb stuff some Jerry Springer-like level stuff because of Cupid and because they're quote-unquote in love. And while Cupid can definitely inspire some beautiful romances, Cupid can be something of a trickster. His arrows create just as much destruction as they do bliss. 
And Cupid can both inspire and destroy great relationships and marriages. So be careful building your life upon the arrows whenever he pierces your heart with them. You just might need to pull a few out and throw them back. (laughs) I think we as a culture, though, tend to like this idea of romantic love. And I think we tend to like it more than actual love, this idea of Cupid. And I think Cupid is very much the embodiment of this idea of romantic love. And there's something sizzling and sexy about romantic love. And I think it's something we all can relate to. And don't get me wrong, like I said, there's something good about all that. You and I probably would not be here if if it weren't for romantic notions of love. But I think sometimes we are so much in love with the idea of love. And I can say, definitely been there a time or two. We revel in the romantic ideals of love. The idea that there's just one person out there that the and destiny has put us together for and someone out there is our, our soulmate of which God and the cosmos and the stars all align to bring us into this Nicholas Sparks type love. And don't get me wrong, like I said, romantic love is amazing. It's definitely amazing. It's it's a beautiful and wonderful thing and something we should celebrate and I'm glad there is a holiday for it. It has its place as any part in, in a marriage, no matter how many years you've been married, there should always be some romantic love. But Cupid ain't going to pay the bills, folks. Cupid ain't going to change diapers. Cupid doesn't go to kids' soccer practices. And Cupid doesn't get through you through the hard trials of life. Cupid's arrows may be necessary in the formation of a romantic relationship, And frankly, you know, if you don't feel deeply attracted to and drawn to a person and feel seemingly love-struck, and they don't make you at some point tingle all over, then frankly, you probably don't have any business getting involved with them. I believe in my heart of hearts that we do need a healthy pair bonding to exist between couples. And if that feeling is never truly mutual, there's going to be a lot of dangers ahead. Without that, you very much get into the story of the biblical story of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. Jacob married Leah because he had to. He married Rachel because he wanted to. He ended up marrying both, which definitely created its own problems. And how he treated each of his wives, though, thereafter was dependent, though, upon the degree of romantic affections he felt for each. Which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, as we see in the biblical narrative in the book of Genesis, definitely created one giant Jerry Springer-style mess. So, as true as it might be that there should be desire, and that we should have a deep romantic desire and sentiments and affections that we wrap our marriages and relationships in, as anyone can tell you that's been married, though, for any length of time, those feelings come and go. And at the end of the day, cannot be the basis of a truly successful relationship and marriage. Simply put, Cupid doesn't pay the bills. Cupid won't go with you through job loss, poverty, sickness, the raising of kids, and all that comes with old age. Remember, folks, Cupid has wings and will sometimes simply fly away. 
Cupid simply isn't enough to sustain any long-term relationship or marriage. Something more is needed. As Christians, we recognize that while there is a lot of truth to be found in the mythological story of Cupid, that ultimately, Cupid is not the end-all and be-all expression of love. As Christians, our symbol of love is not the arrows of Cupid, but it's ultimately the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is the love of God is expressed in the cross of Jesus Christ, which ultimately must be brought sacrificially to all of our interpersonal relationships, family, friends, co-workers, strangers, neighbors, but especially even our romantic ones. Cupid, pink hearts, carnations, chocolates, and expensive dinner dates. These are great ideas. I love them. But all that can wax and wane like the phases of the moon. It's there one moment and gone the next. A mature love and the love that ultimately endures is ultimately grounded, I believe, in the love, the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And as somebody once said, for Christians, the cross not a heart, is the symbol of our love. And it's a love that we can all participate in, whether we're young or old, single or married, newlyweds or widows. Cupid's love, man, it's intoxicating. But eventually, <laughs> we all experience sober days. And the thrill and the rush of the love that you've had will always be there in every moment of every day. It can be fickle and is often unreliable, like the shooting of Cupid's arrows. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The love of Christ on a cross ultimately involved making a decision and seeing that decision through. And it's about making a decision, not simply for you and your benefit, but for the benefit of someone else. And while Cupid is in some sense an invitation to self-indulgence, self and perhaps even arguably a good self-indulgence, because there's a very mutual aspect of thing, and I believe God created us to indulge in one another as far as romantic relationships between husband and wife. But at the end of the day, Cupid ain't built for endurance or the long road. Cupid is ultimately about the flames of passion, flames which can easily die down and be snuffed out due to there not being simply enough fuel for that fire on any given day. It takes a commitment to see real love through, just as it ultimately took a commitment on the behalf of Christ to be sacrificed and crucified. And it's a love that's ultimately about the otherness of the other individual in orientation. And it's that love as Christians that we ultimately hold up as the symbol of our love over that of Cupid. So, you know, thinking about this podcast, I decided to put out some feelers going into Valentine's week. And I put it on Facebook and social media and Twitter. 
and invited feedback on the topic. And I just wanted to read some quotes from some uh, feedback that I got to people who follow the podcast or just briefly interact with me on social media every now and then. And some of these people have even been on this podcast before. Uh, all these people are, are people who are veterans of the game of love. And they understand it well. Judith Church said, To me, love is not a feeling, but a commitment. And Steve House said, What we get wrong about love in our culture is when it's selfish and all about what I need. The expectations and demands we put on others. We wonder why we are let down and disappointed when the people in our lives do not live up to our unrealistic expectations and how they love us in return. True love is selfless and looks to meet the needs of the one you are in love with and are committed to. It looks to God for the strength to do this as it is not natural to do it as we tend to look for our own needs first. To love this way by God's power and to be united with a spouse who is loving the same way is truly a special gift from God. Corey Forsyth said, Love is hilarious in that you can stay in love with someone despite the most embarrassing moments, annoying habits, and silliest of features. I have a lot of stories I could share, Corey says, but I will use wisdom and keep them to myself so I can stay off the couch tonight. <laughs> that was good, Corey. And Josh Opperman, who was recently on the podcast, said, Our culture tends to make love about emotions and what I receive, when in reality, love is about the sacrifice and what I give. For Christians, this misconception negatively impacts both our re relationship with Christ and our marriages. And Sharon, whose last name I do not have, said, Romantic love is based off pure emotion, and that will not last. True love is a choice that we must make every day, whether we feel the emotion or not. So there you have it, folks. There's... My take on Valentine's Day this year. There's my take on romantic love. There's my take on the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. So what do you think? Killing, killing Cupid? Does it sound like a good idea? What do you think about love? What do you think about romantic love? What do you think about soulmates? What do you think about the, the love of Jesus Christ? And how does all this relate to how we live our lives for the ones we love, for the ones that make our hearts skip a beat a time or two? How does that work out? I'd love to hear your feedback. This has been Killing Cupid Valentine's Day, episode 139 of the jimmystable.com podcast. Let me know what you think. Email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com, or if you go to jimmystable.com, you can find links to Facebook and Twitter, in which you can leave me interactions with on social media if you so dare. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and thought, oh man, I'm new to the show or I haven't done it yet, and you want to subscribe, go to the jimmystable.com Website, jimmystable.com slash subscribe, and you can find your favorite way to subscribe to this podcast, people, either through Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google, or even by old-fashioned email newsletters in which you can get a weekly update about every Sunday in which a new podcast comes out, so you can be sure to listen to it. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Take care, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. And oh yeah, before I go, leave a glowing five-star review. You can do that at Apple and you can do that at Spotify. So if you haven't had an opportunity to listen 
uh, or to leave a five-star review yet, please, with all your heart, with all the passion that burns within you, go and leave me a glowing five-star review for the Jimmy's Table podcast. Take care, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. And by the way, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.